Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. We are picking up in the book of Acts. And I just want to um, highlight a few things that we discussed. And if you haven't had an opportunity, I have on podcast Book of Acts number one, and this will be number two. But a few things that are key that I want to carry into this is that the Book of Acts is the birthing of the Christian church. And if he's still the God of Acts, then his people need to be acting like the disciples did in the book of Acts to see the signs, the wonders, and the miracles. And that's what I'm trying to get you to. I'm trying to get you to that place where your heart is as in tune, as obedient, and linked into the purpose and desire of Jesus, the purpose and desire of God, and being led continually by the Holy Spirit in every step, not minimizing some things in our lives. You don't see where the disciples minimized areas. This isn't important. That's too much. We don't need to do that. I'm not going to do that. What do we want to see and how far do we want to go? So he's still the God of Acts. He hasn't changed. And if the Holy Spirit was worth waiting on for the disciples Anything God's going to do in our life is worth waiting on for us. If it's promised, it's coming, period. They went up to the upper room. I'm guessing they thought whatever it was they were going to receive. Remember, they did not understand. They did not know. Whatever it was they thought they were going to receive, I bet they thought it was short time. Go to the, go and don't leave here until what I promised you, the gift that's so amazing, I have to leave for you to receive, Jesus tells them. So they go, they listen, they obey, key there. They sacrificially end up obeying. And I'm sure at the end of that day, they were surprised that the promise hadn't arrived. Whatever that was gonna be, they didn't know. They didn't know. And so I bet it, I bet none of them imagined it to be what it actually was. And how many times has that played out in our lives? We get a promise from God, we wrap our mind around it with a picture, and then it's never as we expected it to be. So all that to say, one day turns into two days, you know the story, turns into five days, turns into 10 days. And it's a determination of the father is the one, God is the one who sets the dates in the times of their fulfillment. He's the one. We're we're not for some reason. We can't handle, we think we can, but we can't handle knowing the timing of all that he has coming to us when it's going to come. We We think we can handle it. Just like our young kid, when they're asking us to do something that we know they're not ready for yet, they think they can handle it. But the truth of the matter is they cannot. And we as their parent know that because we have more wisdom than them. We have better insight than them. It's the same with God with us. We're not permitted to know because we can't handle knowing. But a promise is a promise. And if God's promised, it's coming. We just have to wait, be obedient, 
and hold on in that faith, not doubting that if he said he's going to do it, if he said he's going to bring it, if he said he's going to move it, he's going to do what he said he's going to do. So one thing that I wrapped up with on Book of Acts number one was how Jesus told the disciples that the Holy Spirit was going to empower them to be his messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on earth. And it's interesting, and this is what we wrapped up with last time, of the facts of the places Jesus listed. We would, this includes us too, we would be messengers too. Well, Jerusalem, the first place he listed, was where he was executed at the word of an angry mob. People wanted him killed and released a murderer, but yet he wanted them to hear the, the truth of the gospel, the good news. Judea, who re- rejected his ministry, everywhere that he was rejected, he was basically sending his disciples back to, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to release the good news, to release freedom to all people. And that's the last one, the uttermost parts of the earth. In Samaria, you know, we, 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 t- we, we talked about Samaria and I related it to the racial issues of today. Goes all the way back here, all the way back. It's not a new thing. It's not even a kind of new thing. Goes all the way back to when Jesus walked the earth and Israelites wouldn't even talk to Samarians. They looked down on them in the uttermost parts of the earth. The, uh, the, that's us, actually, the Gentiles. And truthfully, the Jewish people of that day saw the Gentiles as nothing more than fuel for the fire of hell. (laughs) And this is where Jesus is telling them to go. So for us, basically what Jesus is saying here is all people, all humankind, all mankind, I want saved. The kingdom is multicultural. The kingdom is uh, just and fair and balanced. Love for all, not love of more one than the other. That's how God loves. And that's how Jesus wanted the disciples to be empowered and reach. Then that's how our hearts should be. Each of us, all of us, all nations, not looking at other nations differently. So right after Jesus speaks these words, that's when he ascends. Those are his final words, by the way. Final words. To me, there's no heavier a weight than the final words that someone speaks. So right after that, Jesus ascends and goes into the sky, right? And they're all like, what? Can you even just imagine, just picture yourself being there? I love to do that. As that takes place, they're staring into the sky. I mean, their mouths got to be hanging open. They got to be looking at each other like, what? Did that just really happen? All of a sudden, two men appear. White-robed men, by the way. They're like, what are you looking at? What are you doing? Why are you basically, (laughs) why are you still here? Why are you in this transition still when I have already given you command to do what you're supposed to do? Isn't that good? Why are you hesitating? Like they didn't even realize they were. How many times has God spoken something to us and our hesitation has cost us? It's happened to me personally. I promise you that. And then that moment passes by. Now God's faithful and he has mercy and he has grace and he brings another moment to us. It won't be that very same moment that we let pass us by. And we don't know the repercussions of that moment we missed, but he will bring another moment to us or or the Holy Spirit will come and nudge us 
Get going, get over there, get to where you're supposed to be. What did Jesus say? These two men in the white robes say to the disciples, Galileans, why are you staring up into the sky? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but he will come back the same way that you saw him ascend. And somehow this was enough for them. The disciples left the Mount of Olives and returned to Jerusalem, less than a mile away. You know, I wonder if they were fearful. I wonder if they were just like so shocked and so afraid. Now we, now he's gone. We weren't expecting that. How many times have you ever had something show up in your life you weren't expecting? But there you are in the middle of it. Okay, I know I have this promise, but now I have this thing right before the promise that I wasn't expecting, but here it is. My goodness, here it is. How do I respond to it? Do I cower back in fear? Do I cower back in sorrow, disappointment? This was not what they thought. How we respond is crucial. It's what matters the most. When something takes place in our life, we weren't expecting that turn of events. We weren't expecting that to happen. How we respond in that moment is what matters most. And the disciples amazingly, amazingly respond with instant obedience when the two men in white robes speak to them. It says in verse 11, they ask him, why are you staring up at the sky? What are you doing? Paraphrasing. He's going to come back the same way you saw him go up. In verse 12, that's all they needed. They're off. They're headed to Jerusalem. <laughs> they did what Jesus said. They went back to Jerusalem and they did not leave. And that's key. Sometimes we do what God says, but we don't hang in there long enough. Sometimes we don't get there fast enough. In other words, we don't go when God says go. And sometimes we don't stay when God says stay. We have to recognize and know the voice of God and act on it quickly. We have to. We have to know and recognize the voice of God. And like, I think a lot of us know and recognize the voice of God, but do we act on it quickly? Or do we ponder a little too long hesitate a little too long, question a little too long, act on it quickly. Step one, step one of God's power working in us and through us is obedience to what we know God has said regardless, regardless. We can pray for all the anointing we want to pray for, but if it lacks obedience on our part, we're not going to see the signs, the wonders, and the miracles that God desires to do through us to draw people to him. It's not about us looking amazing. It's about drawing people. That's what Jesus did use, the signs, the wonders, and the miracles only to draw people to the Father, the disciples, signs, wonders, and miracles to show them the good news of the kingdom. So will we do that? Will we be in such a place of obedience that God's power can now work in us and now work through us? So they get to Jerusalem. They arrive there, right? They go to what we refer to as the upper room. It's basically a large room on the second floor of a building, the upper room. Now, they don't know anything, as we've kind of discussed earlier. The only thing they know is they're supposed to go there and wait. So that's what they're doing. And the neat thing is, 
In Acts chapter one, by the way, in verse 13 and 14, they list off the people that were there among, of course, many others, because there were 120. We got to remember, it was not only the disciples that were empowered, by the way, it was anybody willing to go where they were supposed to go in indefinite obedience and wait upon the promise of the Lord. Anyone. Sometimes we forget and we think it was just the disciples in the upper room, but it was a lot more than that. So some of them that were there in verse 13 and 14 were Peter, John, Jacob, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, Jacob, Judas, Simon, the zealot, sorry, Judas, the son of Jacob, and number of women, including Mary, Jesus's mother, his brothers were there as well. And I just want to point that out for, for a minute. His brothers were there as well. And I want you to remember, Jesus' brothers did not believe him in his early ministry. But clearly, here they are in the upper room. Clearly, here they were just a few moments ago when Jesus ascended, hearing his last words. Clearly, restoration took place between Jesus and his brothers. They had repented and they had received revelation of who their own brother truly was and they believed in him. We've got the whole book of James about it. James was Jesus's brother. It reminds me of that scripture in Joshua uh, 24, 15. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. God brings restoration. God is a God of restoration and he will restore and bring true unity, hearts mended together. So in this time of the book of Acts, in this time of signs and wonders and miracles, it's also a time of restoration before the signs and the wonders and the miracles take place. And that's powerful, don't miss that. So three things were vital. Three things were vital in this time in Acts chapter one. They were united in prayer. It's gonna go there in my Bible, right? They were, they were united in prayer. <clears throat> Excuse me. So united in prayer, they were devoted steadfast to the same purpose, to the same reasoning, to the same. Did they have complete 100% agreement in everything? No, but they were united in prayer. They were devoted steadfastly to what they know God said. They had one passion. In other words, their minds and their hearts were in full agreement to the one passion. The one passion was Jesus said, something's coming to empower us. And that's our one passion we are going to focus on. And our mind, and it took 10 days. I don't, this was not an overnight thing. That's why it took 10 days. It's not like God was bored up there or the Holy Spirit was busy doing something else and he couldn't quite send him yet. <laughs> the moment the hearts were united, the moment the hearts were in full agreement and the minds, the thoughts, that's when the Holy Spirit was released into the upper room. And I, he was waiting at the gate like a horse. I'm telling you. And that's why he came through those windows billowing with powerful sound and powerful wind. Because he was chomping at the bit, so to speak, waiting for God to say, now go. And he's waiting. Jesus has been up in heaven now. He knows his time. Jesus gets up to heaven. The Holy, this is kind of what I picture. The Holy Spirit's ready to be released. He's at the gate like a horse is at a gate during a race. He's there. He's ready to go. He's looking at God. He's like, now, now Jesus is here. Now, one day, now, two days, now, now, three days. God, the father's like, no, not yet. Their hearts and their minds are not in full agreement. Can't go yet. Can't do it yet. Not yet. Can't. Let's see if they'll pray a little longer. Let's see if they'll intercede day and night. Let's see if they think you're worth waiting for. 
Holy Spirit, day six, day seven. Now, now, can I go now? Banging at the gate. Can I go now? It's got to be time now, God. And only God was the one. God was the only one that would know the fulfillment of time. The moment the minds and the hearts were in full agreement and he could say now. And then suddenly, I'm getting a little ahead of myself because that's in Acts chapter two. Suddenly that wind came billowing in with a mighty sound. But three things really stand out to me here in Acts chapter one. And as we're getting towards the end of it, obedience, fellowship, and prayer. Those are so important to be empowered and activated by the Holy Spirit is obedience to what God says when God says it for however long God says it. That's good right there. (laughs) Obedience for what God says when he says it for however long, for however long he says it. In our day of doing things our own way, wanting things our own way, God says, it's my way. You don't determine the time and you can't even know the time. I'm going to remind you who God is. We don't like those reminders, but it's truth. So during this time, down in verse 15 of Acts chapter one, Peter stands up among the 120 believers who were gathered. Remember I said it wasn't just the disciples. There's your confirmation. The 120 believers who were gathered, you might as well say the 120 believers who were willing to be obedient and yielded and persevere waiting on the Lord, waiting on the promise from the Father. And he begins to speak, fellow believers, the scripture David prophesied by the Holy Spirit concerning had to be fulfilled. Judas betrayed our Lord Jesus and led the mob to the garden to arrest him. He was one of us and he was chosen to be an apostle, just as we are. You know, and we know that and we talk about that, but Judas was one of them and he was chosen. But something came in. He earned the wages of sin through his choices. It wasn't put on him. He made the choice. Verse 18, he earned the wages of sin. He did it by the choice that God knew he would make. That's key. So in verse 19, everyone in Jerusalem knows what happened to him, talking about Judas. That's why the field where he died is called in Aramaic, Hakel Damah, and it is the bloody field. For it is written in the Psalms, let this, let his house be deserted and become a wasteland. No one will live there. And also let, let another, let another take his ministry. And that's another key right there. If you don't do what God tells you to do, when God tells you to do it, you're not in obedience. You make a choice based on your own flesh, based on your own temptation, based on your own desire, then someone else is going to take your ministry. A replacement for you will be chosen because what you were supposed to perform on God's behalf will be performed on God's behalf. The question is, do you want to hand it over to another person? Peter's saying here in verse 21, so then we must choose his replacement because that space can't stay empty. God has a space for each one of us. It's not about us. It's about what he wants to do through us. He has that space for each one of us. And it cannot remain empty because of our lack of obedience. So we have to understand if we don't fulfill that space to accomplish what God needed accomplished in that space, then a replacement for that very space will be made. So then, of course, they choose, they choose who is going to be Jesus's replacement. I mean, I'm sorry, Judas. <laughs> Judas replacement. 
They proposed two candidates, Joseph and Matthias and Barabbas the Just. So I like this. They make these choices. They narrow it down. Then they put it to the Lord. And a lot of times, leadership just chooses who they think should be in a space, in a position, instead of really just putting it before the Lord and asking the Lord, give us clear revelation to who you have chosen to fulfill this space. So they do that. They pray, Lord Yahweh, in verse 24, you know the heart of every man because somebody can, I mean, masks can be very well worn, but what's the heart? So they continue to pray, please give us clear revelation to know which of these two men you have chosen. Two men. Okay, so there was just Joseph, who is also called Barabbas the Just, just so we're clear, and Matthias. Okay, so just so I might have said that confusingly earlier, there's two men. So which of these two men have you chosen to be an apostle and take Judas place? Why? Because Judas renounced his apostleship to go where he belonged. So they pray. Okay, they narrow it down. They pray. Then they cast the lots. Why did they cast the lots? Because they did not have the Holy Spirit yet. Remember, the Holy Spirit has not shown up in the upper room yet. We don't need to be casting lots anymore. We don't need to be drawing straws anymore. We have the Holy Spirit to speak to us and guide us and show us. They cast the lots in verse 26 because they did not yet have the leading of the Holy Spirit. So through the casting of the lots and their prayers and the narrowing down, it's determined that Matthias was the Lord's choice. So he's added to the 11 apostles. And I want to point something out as far as this casting of the lots. You don't hear of it again after the Holy Spirit shows up in that upper room. So we don't need to do that. We don't need to ask God for signs. You know, we don't, we don't need to um, put out uh, 15 confirmations. I believe the Lord will confirm to give us peace, but the Holy Spirit guides and directs us. When we start looking for a bunch of confirmations is when confusion can really come in. And there is not another time after this moment that casting lots is mentioned again. Didn't need to because the Holy Spirit had been poured out and now they and us can lean on the Holy Spirit to show us the way, to guide us in our decisions, to direct our steps, to lead our path. I love that they let God decide who should step in. They didn't make assumptions They didn't make promotions based on either their own likes and dislikes or perceptions, who they wanted for the position, who they wanted to elevate, who they thought earned it. The list goes on and on. But they let God, the very one who sees upon the heart, they let him decide. Imagine how powerful the church would be today if we were in obedience, if we were in unity and fellowship, prayed continually, There are a few things that I want you to take away from chapter one as we wrap it up. It's important for us to be lovers of God, passionate in our hearts about God, to be obedient to the instruction of Jesus. Whatever he says to do, we do. Wherever he says to go, we go. Wherever he says to stay, we stay. 
it's kind of funny. He's telling them to go and stay all in the same thing. Go to Jerusalem and stay there. (laughs) So we have to hear clearly his instruction and be obedient to it. And even though it doesn't quite look like we thought it was going to look like, we still have to respond in obedience with a yielded heart. That's what the disciples did. That's what the 120 in the upper room did. We must persevere and wait on the promises as long as it takes. And understand God's waiting to release the promises. The truth of the matter is our heart is in preparation. Just like those in the upper room, the Holy Spirit could not be released to them until their hearts and their minds were fully prepared. Be in prayer and be in the word. Those are vital. Prayer and the word. They were in prayer and we're going to see as we get into Acts chapter 2 that they were in the word. Peter responded in the word in Acts chapter 2. So you have to be in unity. You have to be in fellowship. You have to be in prayer. And I know this. The results will be You will receive the promises of God as we're going to see in chapter two, because we're going through chapter two also. And you will be empowered to be a witness for God in all you do. 